This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans. That has a lot on sale that you might be interested in. One of my favorite things is to get sushi-grade tuna and just slice it with some soy sauce and some wasabi and eat it as sashimi and uh, go at it. They have that on sale this week along with uh, some housemade sausages, ribeye steaks, which is fantastic, and then court. I don't know about you, but there's nothing like local heirloom tomatoes that are in season. I've had a lot of conversations with a, a friend of mine who is not a fan of tomatoes, and I, I just can't understand how she's never had a delicious heirloom tomato sandwich. Oh, it's so good. I'm thinking about it right now. Nothing screams summer more than, a, than an heirloom tomato sandwich. Right. Or BLT. Or BLT. I'm, I keep watching Food Dude post on his Facebook page that his favorite thing about summer is a BLT, and those look so good, man. He makes... You know, a BLT is not just a BLT. You got to put it together properly. I want to go out on a limb. If you've never had a true heirloom tomato, just either by itself or in something, then you have not experienced a true tomato. And Zupans makes it super easy for you because you can just go to your local one and pick out a great variety. Right. And you know, if it's at Zupans, first of all, it's going to look beautiful. It's going to be placed there beautifully. It's not going to be in a bin of some you got to turn over and see if if they're okay. They're going to be beautiful and Zupan's produce department is second to none so there you go that's what I say go there now any one of three locations which would be Lake Oswego McAdam or West Burnside and of course where we get a lot of our information before we go into the store court where's that Zupians.com All right, here it is. Time once again. It is Portland's Food Scene Podcast right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures, and I'm co-host, Court Johnson. Hey, Court. Before we get going on our usual intro to a great podcast episode, I will say, let's just go cut right to the chase and say that there's an opportunity to uh, donate to the relief effort in Maui. Um, I just spent some time with Vitaly and Kimberly Paley on the Big Island just back a couple of days ago and was there while he was putting together the effort on the Big Island uh, to put chefs and uh, suppliers together to make some food for the people who need it um, in Maui. And so that address would be where anyone and everyone should donate is chefwe.com. C-H-E-F-H-W-I. I hope I got that pronunciation right. C-H-E-F-H-W-I.com. Go in there and you choose the... Uh, You'll see the option for the Hospitality Relief Fund. And if you want to, in the comments, mention that you're aware of the um, the Big Island uh, Chef Coalition, then that money may... It's all going to be good, but that money may go directly to uh, procuring food on the Big Island uh, under uh, Vitaly's... Um, group uh, to buy some food there and specifically for that. But either way, I wanted to mention that before we got into this podcast and before I started talking about what a pleasure it was to go out and uh, visit with the Paleys. I have 
I got I got two states left. Now or I've had two states left. I got one. So the last one is Alaska. Okay. I still have to visit. Good for you, so man. That's awesome. From the, yeah, coming from the East Coast. But I mean, I've lived in Portland for 18 years now, so it took me that long to get to Hawaii. However, what an incredible experience. Aside from the fact that we we happened to book our flights, didn't know that the fires were going to be happening in Maui. Sure. We weren't going to Maui. But we Renee and I went down to preview or just check out what we are, are planning for a PFA trip with the Paleys to Hawaii next year. And I'll just say quickly that I was able to see the lay of the land enough and go some places that we're going to kind of step back and revamp what we had already put out there and uh, plan it a little differently. If we end up doing it at all, it's a difficult trip because of the lay of the land and places are all over the place and everything's so incredibly expensive. However, I will say, aside from all of that, what a treat it was to be invited to the Paley's, have a couple of meals at their house with just this guy cooking. Who's that guy? Who's this Vitaly Paley cooking for you at his new house overlooking the Pacific? Um, unbelievable meals. They took us to a few hotels to look at them and out for an incredible dinner at what might have been the best dining experience I may have ever had. We we're sitting on the beach with our bare feet, eating great food, kampachi, which, you know, Vitaly is now the culinary ambassador for the Hawaiian kampachi, uh, which is marketed through Blue Ocean Mariculture. Get that right. And uh, we saw Matthew McConaughey oh. uh, at the table next to us. Now, I am not a celebrity guy, uh-huh. but I had a few cocktails, and I had to go over. I was debating whether or not to go over and say, hey, I just saw your scene with uh, Zach Galifianakis on the movie Between Two Ferns, right. the opening scene. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen I have. That. <laughs> so I, I, I spent that at my home. By myself, I rewound it 10 times. I was cracking up so bad. Now, physical comedy, I don't know, is my thing, but holy shit. I was laughing so hard. So that was like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, you know, at first Vitaly said, no, don't do that. He's a private person. And then we all had some drinks and he said, oh, you're going to regret not doing it. Go the over. The liquid courage now, kicked in. Right. I kind of regret doing it, but I did go over and I said, listen, excuse me, five seconds here. I just wanted to tell you I'm a 65-year-old man. And I don't, I, I, I haven't laughed as hard as I laughed in the last 20 years as I did with your scene with Zach Galifianakis. And he looks at me, points to me, he's got his whole family there, his mother, his kids. Yeah. And he goes, Fern! And I said, yes, that's it. I think he was looking for the fastest way yeah. out. And um, I said, yeah, thank you so much for, for that. And I thank you for indulging me for the second here. And he said, no, not a problem. Thank you so much for letting me know that. And that was mm-hmm. it. So, I, I think as encounters go, that's the fairly, fairly harmless. I'm sure that, you know, the... He was enjoying a private moment at a beautiful restaurant by his with his family. He doesn't need that. But, if, but it anyway, truly private if you could see him. So, well, that's true. Yeah. But this is where they live, and this is this true. new restaurant in the Kona Village, which was written up in the New York Times. This is, I think, Steve Jobs used to own it, and now his wife has mm. it. 
And so they just rebuilt it. It's just absolutely gorgeous. But at any rate, so we went there and we were at the Paley's home. And guess what Vitaly made for me? Us. But specifically because I've mentioned White Clam Pizzas just a little on this podcast. I saw the pictures. And in my life. Yeah, he made his. He, he, so he's good friends with Ken of Ken's Pizza, who's now retired out there as mm-hmm. well. And Vitaly's gotten into making pizza. He got this great oven. And so he made us um, a white clam pizza among with five others. You don't just serve one pizza at the Paley House. You serve five All others. Right. Awesome pizza. Great experience. Wonderful night. I had a great time. Um, anyway, back from that. That was great. And then back to um, we originally planned this podcast recording for yesterday but i got back to my house at four in the morning uh yesterday morning so i'm glad i had a day to chill out and uh then get ready and be fresh i think i'm fresh or was fresh with john dennison at cash cash formerly of saint jack and la moule and quite a few other places we talk about in paris and and working with our friend kate hill uh i would suggest going back on that podcast about a year ago with Kate, he worked with her in Gascony, which, by the way, I met through Vitaly. Speaking of full circle, uh, who I met through Vitaly, not which, whom, whom, and um, but John spent some time there learning um, whole animal uh, butchering and all that. So he uh, has quite an extensive background. Met his wife in Paris cooking, and they're both back here. She's a uh, the pastry chef at Nostrana, and he just opened Cash Cash. Um, we talked about it on last week's episode with Kurt Huffman, um, uh, an opening of a, it's kind of, he'll discuss it, a raw bar. It sounds wonderful. I haven't been yet. I, we will go soon. Sounds like he's also expanding the menu. Not sounds like. He is expanding the menu, and they will they will have a full complement of offerings be, beyond oysters and lobster rolls uh, soon as they head into the the cooler winter months. So, um, But as I said at the end of this court, the, the thing I love most about this podcast is frankly, is that all these folks are so busy, you could never spend an hour with them anywhere. You can't go in the restaurant and take them out of their kitchen and talk to them for an hour. You can't find who's getting married in a couple of weeks. We're, I'm never going to be able to say, hey, let's go out and hang out for an hour. But you can hang out here at right at the fork for an hour. And not only do I get to have a nice conversation, but everybody gets to listen in. And it's cool. He talks a lot about his childhood and um in Maryland, growing up there, and, um, you know, where he went. And, you know, I keep referencing it, Court. I guess I'm really the old guy now. I keep referencing how young he is, but it's because he's accomplished so much in a short period of time. Um, 34. Don't you consider 34 kind of young, especially in the restaurant Oh, yeah. Business? Sure. Yeah. So he's 34, and, you know, for me, that's a long time ago. Um, and so, uh, he's accomplished a ton. So is his wife and they're getting married in a couple of weeks. They just opened this new restaurant and, or he just opened this new restaurant and it's exciting and he's a really nice guy. It was an easy conversation. I love when the hours go fast because that means it's just flowing and, uh, we're not, we're not digging. So, um, I think anyone else listening to this interview with John Dennison, 
will agree. Enjoy. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers and local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years, Ringside has been providing the best steaks and has been the home of the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. And by Portland Food Adventures. It's your opportunity to travel to the world's most celebrated food destinations with Right at the Fork host, Chris Angeles, and some of his favorite chef friends. Check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com for exciting and delicious itineraries to Spain, Italy, and elsewhere. Stay in great hotels, eat incredible food, and leave the planning to Portland Food Adventures. Appreciate your taking the time, John. I know you got... A busy time here. You got a little bit going sure. on in your life, yeah. right? A couple of absolutely. life changes. Minor little life changes <laughs> yeah, going absolutely. on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Uh, oh, my pleasure. Well, uh, I'm excited too. So um, let's talk a little bit about, we'll talk about Cash Cash, but our, but more importantly, I just alluded to the fact that you yeah. have some life changes going on and you're getting married very, soon. Very, soon. And let uh, it's like a week yeah, or two, two away, weeks. Correct? We're just keeping it really simple. We're just doing a, a courthouse wedding and then having some friends and people in the backyard and uh, just some family and close friends. So, uh, but yes, very, 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 very soon. That's yeah. how I did it. How long have you been together? And the, the reason we did it that way is because we'd been together so long, we thought it was a little anticlimactic <laughs> to have a big to-do well, about it. Well, it's been it. about uh, four years now. Uh, we met uh, we met there working in Paris. Uh, we worked in the same restaurant, and we moved back here during the pandemic. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It just seemed uh, seemed like the easy and right way to do it. And yeah, so we're, we're <laughs> keeping it simple as keeping it quick. What caused you to move back here during uh, we the actually, pandemic? Well, we moved back right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, we were, you know, working in the secondary or the first inducement, and COVID kind of came along as as it did for everybody, really fast and fast and quickly, and you know, just yeah, and yeah, exactly. furious. And uh, you know, in in Paris, they they locked down um, so so tightly. Um, and every day it was just so much uncertainty, I guess. Um, you know, we had to have a permission slip to leave the apartment. You could only be a kilometer away from the apartment. You had to be direct transit to a doctor or a pharmacy or a, su- or a supermarket, essentially. So we were just kind of, as, as, as soon as COVID hit, we were just kind of living in this tiny little apartment. And then, you know, as, as things got more and more severe and we started to realize that it wasn't just going to blow over, um, they started canceling transatlantic flights and, you know, we just kind of looked at each other and we we're like, we should, we should probably go. We've been here for a while, but this is, uh, <laughs> this is, this seems like, this seems like we should go. Um, so yeah, we kind of, uh, we, 
we booked multiple flights. They kept getting canceled. Um, you know, they would get, they would be on until the day of, and then they would get canceled that morning. I think we did that three or four times. And then, uh, Brexit was also a thing. So we had, we had a flight through, uh, through England and then they cut off, they cut themselves off from the rest of Europe. So they weren't accepting flights to England. So we couldn't get there for our layover. And then luckily we got on a air France flight, um, you know, last second the night before, and then kind of picked up and left the next morning. It was all, uh, it was all quite surreal. <laughs> a lot of drama, and it is amazing when that happens, what we take for granted. You know, just even turning the uh, lights on, we take for granted. <laughs> yeah. I, and, I mean, it was, it, was, it was just so – it was so sudden. Um, and I, I had been there for, you know, uh, three or four years at that point. And I, I had always kind of known that I was I was going to leave, so I lived fairly fairly uh, nomadically or meagerly, if you will. Um, but my fiance, she'd been there for a long time, and she really had her her whole life was there. And we just kind of had to pick up and leave. And you know, you couldn't you couldn't donate things, you couldn't take things anywhere. We just kind of had to put it all on the street and and leave the next day. And it was just really uh, it was it was it was heartbreaking. That that is a little surreal, but um, you know, I suppose looking at it—not that I want to go oh, yeah. right off the bat—but <laughs> in the context of looking at what's what happened in Maui over the last week, I suppose that's not a bad way to get out of town if you have sure, to get I out mean, of town. In comparison, yeah, it's just it, horrible. Ab- ab- absolutely, yeah. You were there. just there. How was uh, or how you were just in Hawaii? At least, um, how how was your trip? I was just in. I was okay. on the Big Island, and I was uh, had the good fortune to spend some time with uh, Vitaly and Kimberly Paley while he was putting together a collaborative effort on the Big Island with restaurants and chefs there to figure out how to get food wow. over to Maui, uh, prepared food. So it's not like they sure. have ferries there. They have to f- they have to fly everything over. So and then find a kitchen. Uh, you know, on the big island to prepare food and then get it and disseminate it. There are so many moving pieces he was trying to figure out, um, and uh, not all alone, but um, uh, especially since, as he said, he doesn't have the. If this had happened in Portland, he he knew everybody in the support system, and you know, big island, he doesn't have a restaurant over there to know all the suppliers. So at any rate, uh, so as far as our trip was concerned, we didn't. You know, if it hadn't been in the news, Big Island sure. was fine. And, uh, you know, but there were a lot of people scrambling and there was a little more. There were, we saw on one of the beaches where we were enjoying some snorkeling. It was fairly crowded with tour people who were on cruise ships who couldn't go to Maui. You were scheduled sure. to go to Maui. But at any rate, that's minor stuff compared to the big stuff that went on there. So, yeah, I didn't mean to go there, but I'm just <laughs> saying it's, it's these things, these things in life. Uh, you know, we worry about the things that um, we worry about, the future, the things we can see. Uh, I'm sure you worry about your restaurant and how that's going to do. Um, but all the things that the things that blindside us that we had no idea were coming are the things that are the most yeah. severe and that we have to deal with. So, um, so I commend you for getting over. And did you have did you have something set up, or were you just going to get to Portland and um, see what happened? Uh, <laughs> well, I had. 
we had kind of planned to move back a little bit. And I've, I've known Aaron Barnett. I've worked for him on and off for many, many years. And I'd kind of, I'd sent him a text and was like, Hey, I think I'm coming back to Portland probably around September to November ish time. Um, he was like, yeah, we'll figure something out. Um, and then obviously COVID hit in March and we ended up coming over, um, you know, the very end of March and, uh, we flew into JFK and then my family's from DC. So we ended up spending a little bit of time with my family and a little bit of time with, uh, Maddie's family, my fiance, uh, in Boston. And then, um, driving over around May, I want to say, um, which was the most surreal, the height of COVID, the cross country drive was, was one of the most surreal things I'll, I'll never forget. It was, uh. You know, everything was closed. There was nobody on the roads. I just remember pulling into one of those big, uh, big, big, big rest stops with, you know, there's like 30 different restaurants in there and everything. And you walk in and everything was closed. And, uh, there was the Burger King was open, but it wasn't a Burger King. It was some guy selling po'boys and some other random stuff he had come up with. And I was just like looking around. I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Third world country all of a <laughs> exactly. So. <laughs> But we made it, um, and we got here. And uh, luckily, like I said, my, my my relationship with Aaron Barnett is uh, is very long running and uh, great. And um, yeah, we we ended up opening up Lamoule to do takeout for a little bit there, um, and just do and then the the start of in, in indoor dining, um, and then I did takeout in uh, Lamoule for a little bit, just uh, as something to kind of get that up and running again, and then we. I, I left there once. Uh, once the uh, once the second shutdown happened, I believe, and I went over to help them out at St. Jack a little bit. Well, that was uh, you were all navigating new territory <laughs> yeah. there too. Not only not only navigating across the country, and I mean across the the Atlantic Ocean, then the, across the country, and then that. And it didn't stop, right? You've kind of got something figured out, and then you got another wave, and uh, you didn't yeah, know where it was I mean, going. It was really tough. Yeah, for I mean, uh, I, I think everybody's everybody's talked about it a lot, and you know, we're able to reflecting and looking back on it. It's kind of crazy. I think once there seemed to be some sort of normalcy, indoor dining was coming back. We uh, we had the fires that got really close to Portland. I just remember that that week of smoke um, being one of the most defeating like second kicks I've ever, I've ever seen just like, you know, trying to find some sort of normalcy a thousand pivots later, trying to figure out everybody's lives. And then suddenly we had the worst air quality in the world and had to shut down again for that. And it was just, yeah, I mean, you know, the, 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 the kicks have, have kept coming, but, but here we are. It's been great. Have you ever, you've been in the business for quite a while. Did you ever through that or any other time think, I don't know, maybe I should get into software engineering. Oh, so something. many times, so many times. Um, you know, I'm, I, I've, I've always been, I've been cooking for, I think, you know, 15 years now. And um, I've always, I've always kind of played with the idea of why, why do I do this? uh why you know and uh is, is is this is this is this worth it and you know but i always come back to the fact that i love it and uh you know it's 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 something that that, that keeps me keeps me coming up and keep, keeps me getting up and going to work in the mornings and yeah i i i, I love it and i always kind of gravitate back towards it but you know there's especially during those times there's always the thoughts of what's maybe something else would be easier 
Yeah, well, there's definitely they, there's a, a positive, there's a uh, an affirmative yeah. answer to that. <laughs> but what what is it? What is it? Can you? And this isn't a gratuitous question. What is it that you love about it so much that has kept you in the ball game through thick and thin through all of that? What is what is it about cooking that really uh, you know, is in I, your soul? I, I, I think about it sometimes. I don't know that I have a definitive answer for it. I, uh, I mean, I, I love the, I love the artistry. I love the history behind it. I'm a big history buff, and I really, uh, I think that's why I gravitated towards French cuisine, which I never. It's kind of funny if I when I tell this to people, I I never thought I would end up in French food. I always wanted to do something a little less formal seeming when I was younger, or a little less, a uh, little less, um, yeah, just 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 less. Um, yeah, less formal or less, uh, structured, I guess. And then I kind of gravitated back to French food because of the culture and like the, the history that you can find behind it. And I really find it fascinating looking at the old dishes and seeing what's, 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 what's happened in the past and trying to update those things and, and, uh, pay homage to, to the history and like the regions that they come from. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just really love the culture. I love the you know, it's, it's, it's something that's taken me across the world. I've lived, um, all through Europe. I live in Barcelona. I lived in Germany. I lived in Paris. I lived in Southwest France. Um, and yeah, I think like the ability to travel and the lifestyle it's afforded me and also kind of like the creative outlet that it gives me has always been something that, uh, that I've gravitated towards. Um, so where did you grow up? Where, when you, f- when you said you thought you might have something a little less formal, well, grew, uh, where did you go? Uh, right outside in... of DC, um, so in the in the DMV area, okay. um, Maryland. Um, and I really didn't start cooking until um, until about college. I went to college in Colorado, and then that was always kind of seeming like a means to an end for me. I just kind of wanted to to get through school and figure out what I was going to do next in my life. And then I got through school and. I kind of figured that I really liked, I kind of figured out that I really liked cooking and I didn't think I really wanted to do anything else with it. And then it's kind of dove in one day, I and, guess, and I uh, never looked back. And then I know you and I spoke earlier, you ended up in, um, in Gascony, um, and, uh, with Kate, our friend Kate Hill. Um, and talk a little bit about that experience, how you ended up there and, uh, what that did for your, uh, psyche sure, and your yeah, career. I mean, Kate is probably, Kate and Dominique Chapelot are probably the, uh, the two people that are the, are the, are the, are the reason that I'm into French food and, and like the history and things behind that. Um, I originally, well, I was working at, uh, whatever restaurant I was working at at the time, I, uh, in Portland. And I was doing my weekends to help with uh, Camus Davis doing um, the Portland Meat Collective uh, just because I really was into butchery and whole animal usage and kind of the sustainable side of cooking. And I guess um, for me, I always thought that if I was going to take cooking seriously as a as a uh, career, I really wanted to specialize in something and really find find some more meaning in it than than just, uh, than, than, than just cooking to cook. Um, so I kind of gravitated towards uh, sustainable, like whole animal usage and butchery. Um, that led me to working my weekends with Camus at the Portland Meat Collective. Um, and then as you probably know, uh, she worked for, she worked with Kate and kind of, uh, 
lived with Kate for a while. Um, and Kate and Dominique came over to do a masterclass from France one, one week. And I worked and helped out with it. And at the end I was just like, this is, this is amazing. This, this farm they, they talk about the style of butchery they talk about and you know, like the whole, the whole system. And I think I, I, I think I asked Kate if I could come work for her, if I could come live with her, if I could come see the whole thing. And I think she kind of laughed me off a little bit. And then I think I asked again, and I think I asked again, and I think I asked enough times that eventually <laughs> she let me come. It was like, she, I, I think it was probably just getting me off of her back. And uh, But yeah, so it came out, and I ended up uh, taking a class with Kate and then kind of begging my way into staying. And ended up living with her for a while, just helping out with other classes. Um, and then slowly but surely over the years kind of became part of the family a little bit um, of that, that little tribe they have down in Gasme of like really amazing people that have really become lifelong friends of mine. Um, and yeah, I think that um, I, I was always really into Spanish food. I really wanted to, to work in Barcelona. Um, and I did end up going to work at Tickets for a little while and then um, ended up back on the farm of Kate after that and helping her with classes and you know, just, just that style of French food that they do down there on Gascony, like the, like the, like the family style, really rustic, um, just awesome kind of. She, she epitomizes that and she's got her, um, Substack now, uh, where she's, she's doing that. She's actually, you, you are fortunate. I'm slightly fortunate in that I got to visit there when she was actually accepting yeah. <laughs> visitors and she was accepting interns and doing that. I would guess that the reason she was may have been putting you off is it was sure. timing. She's had a lot of people <laughs> who want to go learn under her tutelage. And so maybe it was a timing issue. I don't know. But you've been very fortunate. And then also, I want to talk a little bit about what it was like to work in the I'm going to guess insanity that was tickets yeah. <laughs> as well. I had that good fortune. There's another place that isn't what it is. No, there no longer, unfortunately sadly. not. But, um, yeah. So what was the, what was, what was the experience working <laughs> you know, it there? Was, it, it really was, it really was a, a, an insane circus that happened there. That was the, one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Um, I was there for just under a year and, you know, it was, I mean, the food's amazing. Albert is amazing. Uh, everybody, Javi, everybody that was working right in that place were just amazing. They're so welcoming and like their, their, their programs and stuff were so set up. Um, it was hard, you know, of course it was restaurants like that should be. Um, and it was challenging and I learned a lot, but you know, it was, it was a place you'd go into every day and one day you'd show up and they're like, Oh yeah, the Cirque du Soleil's here to do their installation. And there would some be somebody doing a handstand at the chef's counter while you played at food and you're just like, what the hell is happening here? Um, but yeah, I mean, just an amazing experience. They're, like they're when it's, it's such a shame that they, they decided to close their, their barrio group and um, the way they had it set up with the, like the seven restaurants all right there. And that, that kind of three block radius with the test kitchen in the middle. And um, yeah, just an amazing spectacle to see of like, what is, what is possible in creativity and, and what is possible with restaurants really. I'm sure it expanded your knowledge quite a bit. What what uh, was it easy? Did do you speak Spanish? I do not speak much to? past uh, your basic um, kind of kitchen Spanish, if you will. But uh, I they you catch on, uh, <laughs> you, you figure it out. 
but I'm sure they're not, they're speaking, not English. speaking English. Um, um, I mean, you you know, in kitchens, if you've worked in enough kitchens, you you, you kind of get the point of what people are saying. I I can I can read a menu and I can read a recipe in a, in Spanish really well at this point. Um, I'm probably mm-hmm. conversational at best outside of the kitchen, if that's uh, being gratuitous to myself but uh but yeah i mean you just you get along uh you, you start to learn what people are saying you, you find a way to communicate um and again like hats off to those guys they were just so welcoming and uh really really made it work for everybody and you know it's i think that there was i was i was not even and not in the least the only person there that didn't speak spanish you know a program like that they just have people from everywhere there's you know the swedish guy an australian guy uh you know just just a, a really worldly crew. Um, so yeah, they, they know their way around it. They, they, they figure it out. <laughs> so you've got experience there in Gascony. You mentioned some other places, also Paris. And uh, then, you know, it's not a, as far as Portland is concerned, it's not a bad thing to have been, you know, a key person at St. Jack for yeah. so many years. <laughs> I was at, um, you know, I think that's a big deal. So you've you've got some chops, and you're still young, man. Yeah. Look at you. I don't see any <laughs> oh, gray it's, going it's on coming. there. Although you are getting married in a couple of weeks, so let's check back. <laughs> it'll it'll be coming along faster. No. No, it's uh, it's spotted in there. Uh, well, that's why yeah, we're both exactly, wearing hats. Exactly. There's not there's not much left up there anymore. It's all right. <laughs> No, it goes, but it goes with the experience. I think sure. that's uh, we as we get older, we have to appreciate our experience and our wisdom a little more than our <laughs> looks. And I'm not implying that you don't have great uh, no, looks. No, you no, look no. great. I agree. I, I agree. I agree. So um, let's talk a little bit about cash, cash. And I was somewhere. I thought I think someone misspelled it, so I made the mistake of writing to you under, I was like, is this the right spelling? Well, I saw it written this way, but it is like a computer cache, C-A-C-H-E, C-A-C-H-E. So it, yes, it, right? it, it, it translates to, well, it's actually how you say hide and seek in French. So, um, so it's, it's, it's meant to be the, you know, a playful, playful meaning for hide and seek. We named it that because, um, it's, it's kind of hidden back there behind fracture and behind the food cart pod. And, um, we tiled it and, you know, Kurt had this great, great idea we were talking about. It. And he's like, you know, if people come around this corner, they don't know it's here. And there's this big surprise tiled, uh, you know, seafood, uh, uh, bar going on. And like, it's just a great, uh, kind of grand reveal as you come around the corner. And I think it's really worked out. So it's, uh, um, yeah, it's kind of hidden, hidden in the back there. Um, tucked away behind all that stuff. And yeah, so that's kind of why we landed on the name, uh, Cash Cash, Hide and Seek. And uh, yeah, our kind of goal over there has been, um, you know, it's fusing two things that I really, really love. Um, but it's, it's to, ultimately, it's to create a good, good affordable neighborhood oyster raw bar. Um, and two of the things that I love the most in this world are, you know, East Coast raw bars. And we have some West Coast raw, bar, raw, raw bars as well. The city hasn't really had one for a little bit there was a few things that were awesome before COVID that didn't really open back up so we just kind of saw saw mm-hmm. an opening there um and yeah like east coast raw bars with you know raw, raw oysters prawns lobster rolls uh 
you know, raw clams, things like that is something that we're trying to get into that we're slowly but surely heading towards. Um, and then the, the other thing is like the French raw bar of Fouille de Mer and kind of, um, uh, yeah, just your French fish houses with big fish maniers and Fouille de Mer and just kind of all that seafood stuff that comes out, comes out of the, out of the Mediterranean over there. Um, and trying to fuse those two concepts of like a French raw bar with an East coast raw bar, um, is, is the goal. And I think that we're, 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 we're getting there. Um, and yeah, I love it. It's been so much fun. It stands to reason if you've come from the DC area that you would have an affinity yeah. <laughs> for raw bars because that was when, that was my first exposure. I grew up in the Pacific, not the Pacific, the Atlantic sure. Northeast. <laughs> uh, never called it that, but I had to flip from Pacific. Uh, but we, I don't, re, I don't recall a big raw bar scene, uh, up there, but around your neck of the woods, um, I guess it was pretty big. And you're right. We really, we did have that. We've got some, you know, we had Olympia Oyster Bar. We had Leaf doing his thing at Provador and he's doing his thing where he is now, but that's more, that's beyond that as well. Do you plan on it being, I mean, um, the kind of the discreet, cool nature of you know where you are the location is that something you would plan on long term or you want to grow from that and have that be your your sister location or your and oh grow i mean something, something larger would be awesome i think that um for now while we figure things out i think that the, the small nature of it is really kind of helping us um figure this figure stuff out I think it keeps it really intimate back there. It keeps our, you know, honestly, it keeps our labor model in a place that we can pay really, really well. And, um, you know, we just, uh, yeah, it's, it's all kind of also keeping costs down a little bit with our small place, um, to be able to offer that kind of affordable side of things. That is, uh, that's kind of key to what, what our mission is right now. So yeah, I mean, down the road, uh, we've talked about some other, other stuff. Um, but for now, I think that, um, yeah, what what we're doing right now is great, and I just I just really want to kind of expand or kind of focus on that for now. I guess I think you have a leg up now, starting something new and small with Kurt Huffman and Chef's Table, because those opportunities are always <laughs> going to be there. I mean, it's no secret that um, most of the restaurateurs and chefs that work with him obviously have come up with ideas over the years and he said okay let's go with that here's how we're going to do it and he's a creative soul you're a creative soul and i can't imagine that those opportunities and aren't going yeah, to I mean, fruition over years i mean look at just aaron at saint jack and what he's done with lamoul and other places and, and rick Jancarelli. i mean i found it fascinating oh let's do some greek <laughs> which has nothing to do with Rick sure, Giacarelli, but, but has a lot to do with food and wonderful food. And it's, it's related to Italian. Also, yeah, stuff no, I, I, absolutely. But also hats off to Bluto's. We, uh, it's, it's in my neighborhood and it's, it's become me and my, my fiance. It's become one of our favorite go-to spots. It's really, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's great. I love it over there. Uh, he's done a really, really awesome job. Uh, yeah, well, so there, those are the kind of opportunities that will be there for you as you build yourself, get comfortable in your, in your new life, sure. your marriage, you know, and you want to find, we talked about it the other day, you definitely, and you're young, you want to find uh, work-life balance, which I know you want for all your people too everybody yeah. working for you it is the challenge it's the challenge of the post-pandemic world 
to not only provide work-life balance for yourself and your employees, but also provide a balance in menu prices for Portlanders who've also gone through some shit over the past few years. And all of a sudden, we're looking at more expen- Portland being a more expensive sure. food market. Uh, than it was, and uh, so there's a lot to balance there. It's just not no. An easy, I wish I wish you know. I think world. I wish I had the answer to how to how to provide everything to everybody. And you know, it's, it is the constant struggle trying to you know take care of your employees and you know also you know take care of yourself, and then also provide something that is you know affordable and alluring to to the public. You know, there's this it's it's such a hard kind of trinity to to nail. Um, there just doesn't seem to be one right answer, but. Um, you know, working on it. Well, every every restaurant is different, and I think one advantage you have is keeping it yeah. small for now, so you can a figure it out, and you don't have to do you know a hundred yeah. covers a night <laughs> to cover your nut. So that can be pretty challenging if you yeah, have a big I mean, restaurant. It's, it's, you know, and, and then you get a snowstorm. Yeah, and that's exactly. all it takes. You know, it's, it, or it's a fire. been such a change coming from St. Jack and. Um, my time over there, which is, uh, you know, been, been amazing, but seeing, you know, doing a, doing a 20 seat restaurant instead of a, a 75 seat restaurant and just the, like the, the, the change of attitude towards everything is really, uh, <laughs> really, really, uh, bit, bit, bit an adjustment for me, but, um, yeah, it's going great. Like I said, um, really trying to, uh, figure out a way to, as we talked about before, kind of figure out a way to create some balance in my life. Getting married makes make much more, much, much more time for, for my, for my future wife and our life together. And then also offer that to the employees. Um, and the, yeah, the, the, the crew that's working for that that really works their asses off. Um, just trying to, trying to offer both of those and, and also encourage that. I think that when I was a young line cook or, you know, cooking through the years, um, the mantra was always like, you have to, you have to work more, you have to work more. And I do agree that, um, you have to put in the work in this industry to, to, to become good at this and, you know, to, to get your chops up. But at the same time, you know, somebody should have, should have yelled at me a long time ago to take more time off, <laughs> and take care of myself. Uh, so. Well, I think you're figuring it out at a fairly, how old are you? Uh, I've referenced it a few times. So just. Yeah, there is shit. I mean, yeah, you're very young. There are so many people I know who haven't figured it out at 50 or 60 and are still just now saying, oh, we need some time to ourselves. So the fact that you're doing it at 34, I mean, I don't think, I don't think, I don't trying to figure out where I was at that age, but I wasn't in the sure. industry. But there are a lot of folks in the industry who are just not figuring that out. So it's not easy. I can't imagine it's going to be easy um, long term. Did you poach a lot of people from St. Uh, Jack or Lamoul? I guess you had a, had a, no, had a few I, there. We, we brought one person over from St. Jack um, who was who was just looking for looking for a change, I guess, and um, he had he had been working there for for a bit. Bill uh, is awesome, um, and I think he was kind of kind of interested in something else so he decided to come try out cash cash and then uh yeah eventually he just kind of like yeah i love this i think i'm a i think i would like to stay here it was great we were splitting time at first but other than that we've hired completely uh independently um trying to <laughs> try not to not not to 
Does someone have to go through a shucking uh, demonstration before they can oh, actually work there? Yeah, oh, they, yeah, got to be they, a good they get shucker. It live and live and fast in the moment. You know, I think that's been uh, for for most people who've come in. They're like, I don't know if I'm gonna, I don't know how fast. I'm like, don't worry, it'll come. That muscle memory build real real quick in a couple weeks here. So, um, yeah, I mean, as as yeah, yeah, no yeah as, as 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 with anything in cooking, you know, it's it's not. It's not rocket science. You can you can train anybody, and I think it's uh, it's important to remember that that it's 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 important to be approachable, and you know the the skills come. Yeah, just uh, get back there, give it give it a shot, and you'll figure it out. Chris, we are pausing just a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat in Portland, an institution, as it were, Ringside Steakhouse. Seventy nine over seventy nine years. I remember we were just saying 75 years, so time's flying, and uh, and we're coming up on an 80-year institution in Portland, uh, Ringside Steakhouse, where now, something they didn't have for most of those 80 years was, an, was outdoor dining, and their patio is awesome, and um, it's a really nice spot to eat. They have, they have some heaters out there if you need them. It's really pretty. So whether you're eating, you know, when you eat at ringside, you can either eat in the beautiful dining room, the bar now, you can make reservations to eat in the bar, or outside. Lots of choices there, in addition to lots of choices for different cuts of steak. Right, Court? Yeah, I was just telling you this off air, Chris. I went just recently with my wife, Randy. Uh, You had been telling me, you got to get the Wagyu, you got to get the Wagyu. I I finally did um, because there's so many great items to choose from and I just hadn't got to it yet. I went with the olive-fed Wagyu and easily the best steak I have ever had in my life. I, I was dumbfounded by it. It's a treat. It's not something you're going to get every time you go in there because it's a little expensive. Sure. But I've seen it for way more elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's something if you have, you know, a couple of times you get to say, just like you did, that it's the best steak you've ever had. And they yeah. have it. They have different options, too. So olive, olive fed is just one of them. The food, the food is delicious. The service is absolutely bar none. The best in town. We had Colin serving us and just the best service the entire night. Best food. If it's a special occasion, if it's not a special occasion, Ringside Steakhouse is the place to go. Yeah, it will be. Just go in there. It will turn into a special occasion. There it is. So, uh, and they also have food to go now, and they even on their website they've got a, a scrolling banner. Ringside steaks are on sale, so that's a good opportunity as well. So they are on West Burnside. They're open. Let's give the hours here: four thirty to nine Monday through Thursday, four to nine thirty Friday and Saturday, and four to nine on Sunday. And, of course, set up those reservations. You can do that through the website, ringsidesteakhouse.com, or on the Open Table app. Are you, uh, are you booked out? Are you pretty full um, all the time now? Well, the heat's um, been killing us, honestly. Uh, this, this heat wave, we've, we've had to close for the last... We've had to close the last two days of service just because it's, it's been brutal. I mean, these over 100, 103 days, we just can't really... Uh, uh, we were back there, and I was just you know, standing in the space, sweating. And I was like, "We could seat people elsewhere, but does anybody want to do this?" And then you know, we just watched our reservations drop, and so we just decided for the best for everybody to close. Um, but no, we've, we've been staying pretty busy. Uh, there's definitely room to grow. I think uh, we've we we saw our initial big bump in the beginning, and then 
you know, you kind of playing out for a little bit. And now we're, now we're building again. We're, we're about to, um, we're about to instill a late night happy hour to kind of get that, that, uh, that late night bump of business. I think that something we've always struggled with, I think at every restaurant I've ever worked at in Portland is, is Portland is really not a, uh, not always a late night town. It's really hard to build that late night business. People really, uh, you know, the food cart pot outside and we stay really, really busy until about eight, eight thirty, And then we just kind of disappear at night. I think that's always, uh, that's, that's been the case at St. Jack. It's been the case at, you know, most restaurants I've worked at is we're trying to build that late night business, um, get people to come out. Why is that? I, I'm, I'm always a little confused. Like I go to New York City and that's a late night place and you can understand that. But what is it that makes, I, yeah, I don't know, but what is it that makes a, a wish, city a late night city and not a late night city? Um, no, it's funny. You know, over the years, I think uh, so many people have tried it. And I've, I've, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I'd get really excited when somebody was like, yeah, we're going to do ramen until five in the morning. And I'm like, yes, that's awesome. Somewhere to go after after the bar and get ramen. And then, you know, I'm guilty of it too. I would go once every six months. I'd be like, that was awesome. Thanks for doing that, guys. And then, you know, eventually everything kind of closes down. And you're like, oh, why didn't that make it? Like, oh, probably because I didn't support it either. Um, and yeah, I think it, Portland's just always struggled with that. There's just, you know, I, I think it takes it takes the village to do it. Um, and you know, one or two people kind of popping up as a late night place. It's, it's always hard. Cause I, I guess Portland is not a very walkable city at the end of the day. Um, well, I would say it might have been sure. at one point, but now, you know, things got top, things went topsy turvy sure. there for a little while and it's going to take a while for it to recover. I think you need, I'm, I don't think yeah. it's rocket science <laughs> and maybe I'm wrong. But I think you you need uh you know a active tourist sure. community downtown who's coming downtown and walking around at night and if it's not like that especially and not even like that during the day yeah uh, downtown absolutely. it's not a real walkable situation then that then I would think if you have that nucleus and it, it would spread out to other sure. places people are like oh let's get over there and go go over there without those people and without tourists right who are naturally have nothing else better to do at night they're not yeah. going to work the next day <laughs> here here to party and explore um yeah no i think that's a great right idea. so th- that's yeah. my take on it i don't know if i'm right or i'm no, wrong that's, but that's, that's a really solid take um yeah so you know i you know i think portland's food scene and portland's tourist scene is has taken a big hit through COVID as, as everything has. And, you know, we've been pretty slow to rebound, uh, but you know, there's signs of it coming back. So hopefully, hopefully we're, uh, we're on the up and up again, you know? I think so. Now I, I, I would be remiss if we didn't have a little lobster sure. roll yeah, discussion let's do it. here because, you know, it's kind of my thing. I come from, are you, are you aware of, the history that Connecticut has played in the lobster roll. Everybody goes immediately to Maine and thinks about that. But the, as far as I know, and you know, you, you can only believe sure. what you read so much. <laughs> the, folklore. the lobster roll, right. I think it was Stratford to okay. Connecticut. Might have been Milford. 
that invented the hot buttered lobster roll. So that's what I grew up with. So that after years and years of eating enough hot buttered lobster rolls that they needed an outpost at Yale New Haven Hospital <laughs> um, because of all the, the butter that I had consumed, um, I, so I went somewhere and they served it with mayonnaise and I just went, what the fuck is this? <laughs> However, you know, there's a whole world out there of people who that's the way they grew up with it and I didn't. So... Um, I'm now kind of learning to appreciate that as long as it's not slathered in mayonnaise, but I do like, you know, the hot buttered version with the grilled Howard Johnson's sure, roll, sure. you know, yeah, I yeah. call it that. But so let's talk a little bit about your experience with lobster rolls and how you arrived at the one you're serving. And I'm assuming you'll change it up a little bit. Yeah. You know, too. I've been, uh, when when we had the idea to add the lobster roll in and kind of go with that whole thing, I was I was I was always scared of this this exact discussion because of my my uh, my my my, oh, my, my, my lack of <laughs> background in in uh, Northeast lobster rolls and the different styles. But as a chef, you're going to sure. get that yeah, background. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's what's cool. Um, so I'm I, as I said, I'm from the Mid Atlantic, and uh, I've been to the Northeast multiple times. I've had lobster rolls. Um, I love, you know, I, I honestly love both styles. I do agree that I think the Connecticut style, the hot buttered, is probably my favorite. Um, however, I, you know, food it. Lobster rolls are a really polarizing menu item, and I knew that uh, going into it, and I was like, man. You know, I'm going to get shit from somebody. <laughs> I don't think they're polarizing, and I don't think you have to worry about that in Portland. You got the occasional uh, asshole yeah. like me, but I don't think there are people in Portland are very opinionated so about lobster rolls. That's, that's I don't think you have that. It's definitely working out challenge. for us a little bit. And I was like, you know, no matter what, it's it's. I'm going to hear it from from one side or the other, and me not having any uh, you know nostalgic background either way. And it's like, I'll just do something very non-traditional. I'll do a little bit of both. <laughs> it's like, I'll just, I'll run with it. And then I can just claim that it's neither style. And uh, I'm just, I'm just kind of outside of the, outside of the, the realm of, of, of either tradition. So we ended up with. Well, I think it's good. And no one has said, yeah, I have, no one has said that I've heard has said he's doing, they're doing a main lobster roll. They're doing a Connecticut, yeah. just a lobster <laughs> roll, which is fair. I'm the one who's trying to pigeonhole you. You know, I come in from Connecticut. We get a lot of the same shit that restaurant, uh, pizza places try sure. to call themselves. <laughs> or I've learned they're not calling themselves New Haven, but someone else sure. called them New Haven style, right? I've seen that quite a bit. Someone else called them New Haven and they're stuck with that. And then people like me are going to judge whether it's New Haven style. And then I find out that they said we never even planned on that. Someone called us that and that's what it is. So uh, probably the same thing would happen with you. But I'm in your not defense. You don't need to defend anything, but just in keeping with what you're doing over there, which is a, a sure. raw bar and it's things are chilled, I would say that you'd have to go the mayonnaise route a little sure. stronger because yeah, that's I mean, we, cold. We do. So, we, or can be cold. It yeah, can be and both I think that's ways. That's also another, you know, going back to what I love about food and what I love about this industry is, you know, those nostalgic connections. You know, you go somewhere. Oh, sorry. Just drop my uh, mic. Uh, you know, you go somewhere because of your nostalgic connection to this new haven style pizza and you're like i i, I want that I, I need to try this version of it um the same thing a lobster rolls and it goes back to you know i i have you know probably my my favorite childhood uh food memory is you know blue crabs for me of course um, blue crabs and soft shells and 
um, just the whole the whole the mm. whole lure around it. Um, yeah, those connections to food mean so much. But yeah, so for us at uh, at, at Cash, we do um, we do a, a lobster roll, we do a brioche bun, and we toast it on both sides. Uh, we dress it really, really lightly in a tarragon aioli, just cause that's kind of my French background is like lobster tarragon, lobster tarragon. It has to be there somewhere. Um, and then mm-hmm. we kind of, after we plate that onto the bun, we drizzle, or I shouldn't say drizzle. We dump a fair amount of brown butter over the top, uh, to kind of give it that Connecticut side to it. And then, uh, covered in buttermilk powder. And that is our, that is our lobster. Oh. That's interesting, and I'm going to make one suggestion that I made to uh, sure. Ethan Stoll, who was doing a lobster pop-up, and that is provide a little ramekin of of clarified butter, brown butter, however you do it, okay. to dip it in too, so that there's a you go just a little bit further. And I can't believe I'm actually suggesting something. <laughs> no, no, you. please, please. But I will say that was my experience up there. It was all well and good, but I needed a little more. I needed to add, because you know what happens? That butter just just absorbs sure. into yes. the bun. And so before you know it, if you're talking a lot, before you know it, it's not as sure. wet as it should be. It's That's not as point. buttery. Everybody, everybody as loves be. a good dip, too. So, you know. <laughs> right. Everybody likes a dip, and it's a little extra something, and then that way people can choose how 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 much uh, how much they want to kill themselves. On I'll each, tell you what. Uh, when when you come to eat, there will definitely be a large ramekin on the side for you. <laughs> there you go. I appreciate that, and I hope that's not to <laughs> check it out. <laughs> not at all. So. Um, <laughs> now I, you know, as I said. We all have our own experiences coming to it. And, you know, here's the other thing. The other part of that is I recently went back to Connecticut with my girlfriend to have white clam pies and lobster rolls. And on my most recent visit, they all, maybe it's my age. You know, I, I knew that with my mom. Her palate was going downhill. But I didn't enjoy them as much as I had in the past. They weren't as I remembered them anyway. As they were still good, but it wasn't like holy shit. This is why I, the only reason I should move back. So, you know, if you can get something good out here, um, that's a good thing yeah. without having to travel. So, I appreciate it. Speaking of travel, uh, do you? As as we talked about work life balance, where is it that you would like to travel that you haven't? Um, to experience the culture oh, I mean, I and think the food. Top of the list is always has been for a long time is Japan. Uh, I've never never made it to Japan, and um, it's been, um, yeah, it's been something I've been fantasizing about and thinking about constantly for years now. Um, I've been really really close a few times. I almost went one time from when I was living in Paris during a break, and um, yeah, it's it's something that's always eluded me. Um, Japan's a huge one. Singapore is another huge one. And then Hong Kong is probably my, those are my top three right now. All right. Well, that's all the late night stuff that you're missing in Portland that you used to be able to get (laughs) late at night is Asian food. Now you got to just go there to get it 24 hours a day. I think you can. Yeah, yeah, I I think I, I spent so much, uh, you know, not nearly enough time, of course, because there's never enough time. But so much time, so much of my past has been traveling Western Europe and um, places like that for food. And I've just always uh, just, yeah, just never made it to that, 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 that part of the world and really, uh, really, really want to. 
Are you uh, feeling like you want to talk about, you said you met Maddie at a restaurant working there, what she does in the business? Um, Yeah, um, she's a pastry chef. Uh, So she's a pastry chef at Nostrana. Oh, yeah, Where's that? Exactly. I've never heard of that it's, before. It's such a, it's such a hard plug-in to, to, <laughs> to convince people. Um, yeah, she's the pitch chef for Nostrana for Kathy over there, and um, yeah, she, that's a cool thing. There's some, you know, you both are, you both have done some great stuff at your age, and I hate to keep my. I guess I shouldn't keep saying yeah. that. I'm showing my age <laughs> by continuing to say that. But you, you know, you got so many, so many years in yeah, front no, of you absolutely. too. Um, yeah, we met working in Paris. Uh, she was the pastry chef at Verjou, um, and uh, for Braden and Laura over there. And yeah, I ended up. I was living with Kate, and just kind of on my weekends, um, you know, getting out to whatever restaurant I could to stage for a week or go see, and all these places that I've always wanted to be. Um, so I worked for Michelle Garrard for a little bit down in the Southwest, and then ended up uh, yeah, just doing a week long stage at Verjou and. And got a call afterwards offering me a job and, you know, I needed a visa really bad, um, not to incriminate myself, but Kate always, Kate always let me kind of, uh, figure out my visa station situation, uh, living on the farm between, between gigs. Um, so yeah, so I, uh, yeah, it ended up, they, they, they offered me a visa, went up and worked for them, uh, during my stage, met this really, really pretty, uh, an amazing, uh, pastry chef. And that wasn't, I'm not going to say that was the total reason I moved back and took the job, but it definitely didn't hurt. Um, and then, yes, yeah, slowly but surely we started dating and um, fell in love and, and yeah. Romance I in Paris. Yeah, I exactly. haven't heard of that before. A, it's, it's, it's such an odd story. Who would have thought? Um, yeah. yeah, then we decided, uh, we well, we've always kind of had this dream of, um, you know, it, talking over the years and stuff of, of owning like a French farmhouse or a, a B&B kind of doing what Kate does, honestly. Um, and yeah, we just kind of realized that we had very similar dreams and uh, then decided to move back together. And, you know, it all kind of uh, was, was forced to be quickly done during COVID. And then uh, it's been, it's been great ever since she moved here to Portland with me. Um, yeah. She fell into, fell into her job in Nostrana. Uh, she loves it there, and yeah, it's been it's been amazing. Wow! So you two must get out quite a bit, um, a little bit anyway. I mean, you're two people who love food, and uh, you got some favorites that you in Portland that you like to go to or that you uh, suggest to friends. Yeah, when they come sure. Out I mean, town? yeah, there's there's the the, the, the classics. Um, I love Ox. I love Canard. Um, I love. Uh, we love. I, I personally, probably my f- most traveled restaurant is uh, Javier and Roseville, just because they're in the neighborhood. And um, yeah, we live we live just off Eighty Second, so we spend a lot of time kind of up and down Eighty Second, eating all the Asian soups and all the all, all the Asian food and everything. And um, but yeah, other than that, uh, I think. Um, Dame has become a big favorite of ours. Um, Patrick McKee and kind of his his rotating or his uh, residencies he's doing with pop ups over there has been really great. Um, his his pasta mm-hmm. one's awesome, and then Luna does cello over there, which is amazing. Um, and then there's Clandestino as well out of that space. So they're they're kind of rotating things. Really, really, really awesome. 
Um, I think that another person that you might want to talk to, uh, because of his, his affinity of lobster rolls, uh, Spencer over at Cafe Rowan. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. He's, we have tried to make that happen, and I keep seeing his business card yeah. sitting right here. And I will. Uh, he does. He does a much more. And I and I did go over there for a lob. I went there with Gary Okazaki for a lobster oh, cool. not long ago. So um, yeah, he's a really good yeah. guy. Um, he does uh, a couple of charity events every year, the the midsummer and the midwinter ones that I that I always sign up for um, and do with him. Uh, they're super fun. Uh, he does. He does. He he does a lot for the mm-hmm. community and gives back a lot. And he's a really good guy. Um, and he does a great lobster roll. It is great. It is a yeah, good it's, one. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's very traditional. And that was, uh, that was one of the, that was when after I ate his, I was like, all right, I can't do anything too traditional. This one's very good. It's very traditional. I'll just be, I'll just be competing with this thing if I try to do one of these and I don't want that. So, uh, well, also it's tough to get, it's tough to it get is. lobster here too. It's not that. Easy, yeah, it's been so. you know that was a that was a big uh, obstacle when we started cash was we went through you know probably ten different purveyors and styles of lobster and things that we wanted and things that we didn't like about it and um, yeah really it's really taken us a long time to to, to land on the what 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 we're using right now um, and yeah can you ever would you ever be able to do the traditional Little neck clams uh, from Connecticut steamers, the real steamers, not Manila's. So real steamers from from we, back there. One, one of the big things that I yes steamers, and then also one of the big things that I love from Mid Atlantic raw bars, uh, as I mentioned before, is raw clams uh, shucked, and mm-hmm. it's it's something that we were trying to get in right now. Um, a minute because we would be the only people in town buying them, so a minimum order is just too big for our for our weekly business right now. Uh, but it's it's something I'm aspiring to of building the business into being able to take the weekly shipment of clams to to put them on the menu. So uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. It is. It is. Well, I would imagine. I don't know if you're getting lobster. Some they could ship some clams yeah. with it too. Um, but that's from different. That's from a di- you're talking about two different yeah. regions too. So, um, so d- any others you'd like to mention? I, you know, I always want to preface this by when I sometimes I ask this question of our guests, and they can't possibly mention every place. And I'm sure a hundred percent of the time, every person on this podcast who reeled off some of their favorite places to go eat right at the end of it as soon as we're done recording is going oh I, shit I forgot I'm about that place my brain right now and of course i'm like oh man i'm gonna i'm gonna mess this up i'm gonna no um well i think uh, also now so no one listening whose yeah. restaurant is not mentioned <laughs> should don't. take I offense love, I, I, I love all you guys um <laughs> uh, I know yeah, I'm a exactly. close friend of mine. Um, you know, Cameron over at uh, Morcello is really doing fun stuff. Uh, he's a really great guy. Um, and I think he's, he's doing a f- fairly unique thing that people should check out. Um, you got a guilty pleasure? You got a place you go like Popeye's or something that you wouldn't necessarily uh, want to Bell, tell people? Uh, Ta- Taco Bell. There you Taco go. Bell's Taco Bell. Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I didn't mean I didn't mean to go that no, low. No, 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 I'm just kidding. What do you order? What do you order at Taco Bell? What's your oh, What's your two, standard order? Uh, cheesy gordita crunches and a chicken quesadilla every time. It's, 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 All right. It's, 
And what about Maddie? Does she go along with that, or is she looking at you and rolling her eyes? <laughs> she, she partakes. She partakes. You know. We've, All right. Like, uh, See, that's what that's that's yeah, what a good yeah, marriage yeah, no, makes. It's funny. We, um, uh, it's 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 one of the things that I never thought I would miss, and I didn't know I missed living in in uh, in, in Europe for so long until I got back, and you know, I was like, oh, I, I don't miss fast food. I you know whatever, and then. And I, I don't really eat much fast food, but Taco Bell is my one is my one guilty pleasure. That every every couple weeks or so, I'm like, you know, yeah, yeah, it's time, it's time. Uh. Well, the other thing about it is, I hate. Uh, so I have that. I'll go to Europe for three weeks at a time, and by the end, I'm just. I just want. <laughs> I just want some fried chicken, or I just want a, a McDonald's cheeseburger, or something like that. Just, it's okay. And the other part about that is, after you've spent, been spending a lot of money going out, it's like really nice to have yeah. a five dollar meal. So get through get through a day without uh, spending you know, two hundred bucks. It, it goes or back Euros. to yeah. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, it, it goes quick when you're when you're eating around Europe. But uh, yeah, I mean, another it just goes back to those nostalgic food memories. I think uh, I, I think that there was a Taco Bell at the bottom of the hill of where my dad's office was. My mom takes us there every once in a while, and it just yeah, it just kind of hits that nostalgic note for me. And uh, yeah, what was some of the, what were some of the places uh, where you grew up when you went as a kid? Like often, did they have it like a Zaxby's or any around there? No, it's for the south. Um, for us, we were we were just outside of DC in, in Prince George's County, and um, I there was I it was mainly little local spots there that 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 uh, don't all exist anymore that that we really frequented. We were really uh, creatures of the neighborhood, and I think my dad owned he owned a landscaping business in the neighborhood, and um, you know the the sandwich shop by our friends down the street. Uh, and then Hover Mail's the soft serve ice cream place, and B and J is kind of the roadside cafe thing down there. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a lot of kind of locally owned little spots that are really endemic to that place that um, that I, I miss. And honestly, every time I go back there, I, I end up driving around all these little kind of hole in the wall spots that are in my neighborhood. That that it's kind of like you said, they're they're never as good as you remember once you get a little older. But they're always nostalgically delicious, and they hit a certain other chord. Yeah, well, if they relate, you know, food is an experience, and it is not all about the recipe. I've always said that. It's who you're with at any given time, what the sure. atmosphere is like, the vibe, and how you're feeling that sure. day, too. So, uh, you know, you have those memories, and they're really, really d- deeply embedded in your soul. You know, I still remember the cheeseburger from Old McDonald's yeah. Farm. Not McDonald's. It was Old McDonald's Farm. They put they put uh, melt the the melted uh, pourable sure. cheese on it, and <laughs> you could eat. They had sawdust on the floor and soup crackers yep. in the barrel, and That's oh amazing. my god, all that stuff. So, yeah, no. So we remember those things. Where did you go to? Uh, vacation or uh there did you go to the yeah delaware coast Coast, um we we had a little house or our family house uh down in uh right outside rehoboth and dewey beach all right i have a little experience in rehoboth as a matter of fact i just packaged up something to send to my friend who gave me that (laughs) experience i uh yeah we 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 spent most of our summers or at least a couple weeks every summer in dewey beach which is you know walking distance we would walk to rehoboth on the beach uh it's about 
on the beach it's about a mile long walk from from that thing so we would do that uh we would do that kind of kind of trek as kids a lot to go to get the boardwalk and uh get go to Funland in Rehoboth as a kid a lot and then uh yeah lots of boardwalk french fries grotto's pizza is still probably one of my uh i'm i'm doing a little i'm doing a little math and i think i was there about oh, when wow. you would have been there so that i went in 97 oh, yeah. so so uh and it was it was where i went to what i did is i went out in the ocean and uh floated and a lot of the pain from my divorce just floated away in rehoboth that was my experience now if i could remember where my friend janice's brother had a pretty well-known little shack kind of there i don't remember what it was called but i would bet you had sure yeah probably been there or at least freak yeah we, uh, my, my brothers and sister uh both take their families there constantly so it's always it's 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 still very well entrenched in the family um and yeah like that's it's kind of exactly it though uh places like finn and all the little seafood shacks around rehoboth and around uh dewey um and eating oysters and kind of like the, that raw bar scene is just like that's that's kind of where i remember it. that and lots of cheesesteaks and grotto's pizza again so. <laughs> I missed that. I'm sorry. You cut out lots oh, of cheesesteaks. Um, yeah, lots of cheesesteaks. Oh yeah, because yeah, you're yeah, close exactly, to yeah, Philly. Exactly. You're, you're right, right there. So there's huge cheesesteak culture, and then raw bar culture, and then mixed with uh, mixed with the beaches. So, were you a Pats or G- Gino's guy, or did you? That was uh, not issue. quite an issue. We I played a lot of hockey growing up, and all of my coaches were from Philly, so we play a lot of tournaments in Philly. Um, and they would always take us to one or the other, one or the other constantly. And, you know, I can't say that mm-hmm. I always, uh, I ever really had a, had a preference. I just, I, I, lo- I loved it all, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, the cheesesteaks in Philly, amazing. Yeah, I didn't, I can't tell you. I think we like sure. Pat's better, but I don't think it really, they were all, both good. And it was, the, the fun yeah, was going yeah, to exactly. both, going having one and going across <laughs> yeah, the street exactly. for me. doing the other thing it didn't matter which one was better i don't care so you were a capitals fan i would have to imagine growing up um yeah still probably the only only sport that i really kind of follow to this day um you know i i grew up loving all dc sports and then you know as time goes on i'm i I barely have time to keep up with everything but hockey is always one that i that, that i still follow so uh well, you'd have a tough time. You'd have, well, you had the Ravens, but you'd have a tough time with the the Washington yeah. Commanders <laughs> now. Keeping track with them, you didn't yet have the Nationals, so you couldn't. Yeah, you I, mean, I, grew or, up, Orioles, I grew up Orioles, perhaps. Fan, but then the Nationals came along, and you know, kind of, kind of dawdled between the two. Um, yeah, but yeah. It's you can't dob yeah. you can't dawdle. You <laughs> exactly. gotta either you gotta you gotta that's, go that's with fair. one and that's then fair. hate that's the fair. other. I guess, I guess I never had the conviction for baseball <laughs> enough to, to, to really to Right. Really that's... Um, but yeah, no well, that's it. I I was a huge Rangers fan. Oh, My man. uncle had uh, season <laughs> tickets. Right, be- he had season tickets at Madison Amazing. Square Garden, three rows behind the goal that the Rangers t- at which the Rangers shot um, in the first and third periods. Right there to the to the right of the the goal judge. Sure. 
right, with the light and that's sit incredible. in that box. So we saw some of the yeah. best fights yeah. growing up. It was like that's where all the fights, that's where sure. all the fights took place behind the goal. So anyway, but I'm not. I couldn't name one player in the National oh, Hockey enough. League any longer. That's the way it goes. So just like you, you can only cover. You know, as you get older, you just only you don't have yeah. time for all of that. So uh, you got to pick and choose sure. where you go. So speaking of pick and choose, tell us how people pick and choose Cash Cash, where they find you online, where they find you on Instagram, and how to make reservations. Yes, yeah, so we just got stuff. our uh, website up and running, which is perfect timing, uh, cashcashpdx.com. Uh, you can make reservations there or through the Google link. Uh, we also have our Instagram, Cash Cash PDX uh, is, is our link or our handle. Um, yeah, please, please, please come down and check it out. Uh, we're we're slowly building uh, the menu. We'll have kind of that French French side coming in really strong right now. We've got our oven just finally got hooked up. We're we're kind of a slowly coming along in the construction space we are, but so we'll be adding our whole fish meniers and kind of uh, expanding the menu. In the next week or two, um, and yeah, really come. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, that's really kind of coming into our, our full form. We 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 opened in the summer, um, just with basically ice uh, like the fruit de mer side and um, and the lobster rolls. Just keep it simple and kind of get our steps under us and figure stuff out. And then uh, coming into winter, we're really trying to create that whole dining experience with the whole fish. Uh, we've got a dessert. Um, added some more raw fish options, things like that. So yeah, we're, we're really finding our stride right now. So please come see us. Cool. Hours and days. And are you, can you walk in or do you, must no, you have a reservation? Always welcome. Uh, we're taking reservations. Um, reservations kind of guaranteeing you a spot in the immediate cash, cash 20 seats, uh, that we have inside there. Uh, we also can do service in the bar or in the general seating outside in the uh, food cart pod. So we can we can do QR ordering out there if you want. Uh, so you can sit up at the bar and have your beer. And we'll send mm-hmm. you off the QR code. We'll bring your food to you. Um, so, yeah, you can always walk in. There's always space. Um, hours right now are Wednesday to Sunday. Wednesday to Saturday, we're 5 to 10. Uh, adding this late night happy hour actually until 11 o'clock on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then Sunday we do an all day service from one to eight. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, that sounds great. I'll be in there sooner rather than later. And I, you know, I have to defend myself all the time for, I'm only in, I'm not as in Portland as much <laughs> as I used to be for sure. And I can only go so many places, but, uh, but I, in I stepped, I was talking about that package I was mailing sure. this morning. I stepped on the scale, right? Cause the only way to weigh the package is to do <laughs> me and then me with the package. I've lost, as of this morning, and it continues to go, 54 pounds since I first moved out here. So that, I promote the Portland food world, and I have this podcast to do that. And I used to go out a lot more. I used to support a lot more people. But (laughs) hey, at my age, I'll take the 54-pound loss. I think it's a good good thing. And then get in there once in a while and chat with folks like you, and it's a lot less... A lot better for my health to just have this conversation. However, it's not as good for my soul. We'll come in sometime. We'd love to have you. I will. I had, as I told you, I had a reservation once, and you know yeah. how those things happen. Am I? Is it normal that a lot of people cancel? Man, I'm the king of 
making reservations and then changing plans uh, all the time, not five minutes beforehand, <laughs> but like three days beforehand. We're, it, would may, it would be okay. Three days beforehand, I think, totally to, fine. Uh, we do deal with a lot, of, uh, a lot of the five minutes beforehand. But uh, luckily, we, you know, it's, it's something you combat. You never know how to, you know, you, you never know how to, how to guarantee people are coming. Again, three days beforehand, totally fine. The, 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 the I think I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, charging a deposit sure. that that kicks in 24 yeah, hours ahead kind of, of time. Yeah, that's what we're wrestling with now. Is, is yeah, some, something along those lines of those those the the, the, the no shows really do hurt the businesses, and it really is hard to uh, hard to combat with. Um, so so please show up. Sh- isn't it amazing that it's amazing that that issue wasn't addressed until five or ten years ago, yeah. five years ago <laughs> at best. Everybody was could no show and fuck everybody, fuck a restaurant, sure. a busy yeah. restaurant. By the way, it doesn't really affect a not busy restaurant totally. if yeah, you yeah. don't show, <laughs> but it totally affects a busy restaurant when they Abs- turn people away absolutely. from reservations. You know, it's, it's, it's something we deal, deal with a lot at St. Jack. You know, uh, you know, spots at St. Jack are held at a pretty pretty big premium some nights. And yeah, you just feel terrible. You're telling people no all night, no all night, no all night. And then suddenly you have three tables sitting there open. And you're like, oh, shit. Is <laughs> disappointed. There are three groups of people. Yeah. And- so how about that? I've heard from I've heard from plenty of restaurants that like a party of twelve will cancel. Will no will no show. How the fuck do you make a reservation for twelve <laughs> and then decide to no show? It's you know uh, those are always the ones that we're most wary, wary of, especially are those big 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 tops because a lot of times it's business dinners. It's you know somebody from. Some some corporate entity inviting people, and they're like, "Oh well, I don't know how many people are coming. I'll just make this fifteen top reservation, and then three people show up. And like, oh, this is what we're doing. And you're like, what the fuck? Do you have any fucking idea what you just did to us? Um, right. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's 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 I I think I've I've come around to the fact that people don't really think about things that they don't have any interest or any, any involvement in. So I, I think a lot of people just don't really realize how, how the restaurant industry works, how kind of how tight margins are and how, you know, how feeble the business itself is and how, 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 you know, how diligent you have to stay to keep things open and keep things going. And uh, people just don't really realize the impact that, you know, 15 open seats randomly has on, on, on a night. Like, well, that's, yeah, I, I think that may be one of the things that COVID did for restaurateurs is it provided a framework with which to educate sure. people and say, listen, here's why we need to do it this way. And here's what, and by the way, we're working on 5% margins. <laughs> and oh, by the way, food costs, you notice <laughs> at the grocery store, food costs have gone up quite a bit. Well, we got to pay those too. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, so I think the framework is there. And then, you know, as we often come down to this on this podcast, knowing that, why would anybody want to open up a restaurant nowadays? <laughs> so you know, it's, 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 it's those nostalgic food memories I told you about. It, like, it, it, it makes people want to throw their, throw their livelihood to the wind and uh, <laughs> try something that seems I think impossible, that- you know? that's why i was asking you early on what is it about what is it that you really love about it to (laughs) overcome that probably once in a while question in your head so yeah you know it's always there but but it's 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 easily shooed away 
Well, good. Well, John, one of the things I love about this podcast is getting the opportunity to get to know and spend time with people like you. You are busy. We wouldn't, even if I tried, I wouldn't be able to say, hey, you're getting married. Like, hey, let's go out and spend an hour hanging out and talking. (laughs) That's not going to happen. So it's the beauty of this podcast. And we get to share that with everybody else. So I appreciate it. I'd heard so much about you uh, for a long time. And uh, great to get the opportunity to know you. And then I'm going to put the food to the face. Soon. Please do. <laughs> it, so, so to speak. So to speak. So um, thanks so much for coming, man. I appreciate it. I really it. appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. This has been, this has been great. Uh, I've been a long time, uh, it's long been, time it, listener. So this is, it's, it's an honor. It's been a fun one. You don't always know what it's going to be like. And uh, you've been an easy, nice conversation. And I think anybody <laughs> listening would have to... Um, you know, it gives it gives a little face to the restaurant, to Cash Cash, right? A sure. lot of people know. And I think it's going to want to make them visit even more. Oh, so <laughs> en- enjoy it. So thanks very much, right. John. I'll talk to you Thank soon. Thank you again. Sure. Look forward to it. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right at the Fork.